right. Good morning, everybody. Glad to see you here. I'm Pastor Perry, and it is a privilege, as always, to be able to bring the Word of God. Last week, Pastor Michael opened us up on this fresh start and did such a wonderful job. It'd be much easier for me to be able to preach if Michael just sucked a little bit at preaching, you know, but following him up when he does such a, a good job and it was such a good message last week. I love that promo with the seeds growing and everything. I was raised on a farm and we, we, when I say we had a garden, I'm not talking about like a little thing like the size of this room. I like multiply the size of this room by 10 and you have our garden growing up. Uh, you know, so, uh, I, I, I love plants. I love watching them grow. I have my own little itty-bitty garden now. And I just love the newness that those plants bring, the excitement that it brings. And, you know, we grow the tomatoes and the cucumbers and the peppers. And probably with all the time and money I put in them, I could just go and buy them for cheaper. But there's something about working on something and, and getting it to come up. So we're talking about... Uh, how to make a fresh start. And uh, the topic I'm going to, our theme verse, John 12, 24. I tell you the truth that unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. And what that verse basically is telling you that uh, if, if you got that kernel of wheat, of corn, of bean, whatever it is, you can hold on to it and not do anything with it, and you've just got one kernel. But you can plant it, and when you plant it, it'll produce a crop of several, several kernels. And as we get into this new year and talking about it, and I'm sure I'll mention it a, a couple of times, you know, we look at 2020, and many of you are saying, you know, it was like the twilight zone. It was something I never want to remember again. Well, you know what? We have no promise that 2021 will be any better. But I can tell you, we can be better, all right? We can be better facing this year than we did last year. And this whole fresh start, this new start is part of it. We've got to realize that God has some really special things for us as individuals and for us as a church, and we just need to pursue them. If I asked, how many of y'all would like a fresh start in your Christian life? Some of you would say, that's me. I need a fresh start constantly in my life. We've made mistakes in our life. We've all experienced these failures and these setbacks. And we will continue to face those as we go forward. But, but, but how do we face them? Well, first of all, is understanding where a lot of the failures and the problems and the things going on, where they're coming from. The Bible tells us in John 10.10, 10, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Jesus said, unto, uh, said, the thief does not come but to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that they might have life and they may have it more abundantly. And what has happened in our world today and, and, uh, uh, is that we're blaming the wrong, the wrong entity. Right now, everybody here, I mean, if we, if we took a poll here, some of you, all the problems that are going on, you're blaming the Democrats. 
Some of you here are blaming the Republicans. Some of you are blaming this group. Some of you are blaming that group. What is happening right now in our world? Is it dealing with stealing, killing, and destroying? Well, it's coming from the enemy, the devil, Satan, whatever you want to call him. That's where it's coming. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. And not just any life, but an abundant life. See, the devil wants us to live in fear. He wants us to live being robbed, stolen from, killed, and destroyed. He wants us to live in our past. And that's his job. And if he keeps us living in our past, then we will not enjoy the present and we won't enjoy the future. God says to you, I want you to have a fresh start in life. God says, I want you to have a new beginning. God says, I want you to have something new and fresh in your life. Last year during this time, some of you made this commitment this time last year when we were going through the 21 days of prayer and fasting. You know what? This is the year. I'm going to read my Bible like never before. I'm going to start in Genesis and I'm going to end in Revelation and I'm going to do it in record time. I am going to read my Bible. Some of you said, I'm going to pray more. I'm going to pray this year more than I've ever prayed before. And some of you, you know, I'm going to attend church. I'm going to get involved in a small group this year. I'm going to be that person. And then the pandemic hit and all of this stuff hit. And it seems like, you know, you couldn't do this, you couldn't do that. And you just gave up. And the list went by the wayside. And you started messing up. And the fact is here, if we took an inventory, everybody here this year has messed up at something. You failed at something. You sinned somewhere along the line. And those mistakes and those bad decisions, we allowed them to hold us back. I know there have been times in my life that I have blown it. I mean, I've blown it as, as a husband. I've blown it as a father. I've messed up as a pastor. I've messed up as a friend. I've blown it in a lot of areas. And if I just stayed there, then I would never go forward. And I would never be the man that God desires me to be. And if you're here this morning, anybody here besides me, confession time, messed up this past year? All right. The rest of you will talk about lying spirits next week. But here's the good news if you've messed up, if you've sinned, if you've blown it. And the word sin means to miss the mark. That's, 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 that's what sin means. God has a, a target for us and we miss it. We don't do what we're supposed to do. So here's a good scripture. I love this. Isaiah 43, 18. Do not remember the things that happened before. And he's telling this to a sinful Israel. That has just blown it, has, has messed up royally. Do not remember the things that happened before. Do not think about the things of the past. Oh, that's hard. Well, God tells you, don't think about those things. They, they, when our sins are forgiven, the Bible says, Jesus throws them in the sea of forgetfulness to remember them no more. So he said, don't think about those things of the past. See, I will do a new thing. I need some new things in my life. It will begin happening, you know, next year or maybe three years from now. No, it will begin happening, say it, now. Will you not know about it? I will even make a road in the wilderness 
and rivers in the desert. Because some of you, when you're thinking about the things that you messed up in, you say, you know, it's impossible. That'll never work. Why? Well, there's not enough money. Well, you know what? God says, hey, if I can make a road right in the middle of the wilderness where nobody's driven before, or if I can cause a river, not a little teeny, not, not just a little puddle, I can cause a river in the middle of, of a desert, in the middle of that dry ground, I can do anything for you. Whatever it is you need God to do, God is big enough, and he, he, he wants to do those things for you. Because listen, you can wallow in the past right where the enemy wants you, or you can move forward to the now, and that's where God wants you. Here's a statement. God is far more interested in our future than he is in our past. The enemy is far more interested in all of your screw-ups than he is in your future. He doesn't want you to have a future. God has a future plan for you. This morning, I want to get across to you that God wants to give you a fresh start. God wants to give you a fresh start in your life. And whether you know Christ and today you accept him as your savior or whether you've been serving Christ for years and years and years, you still need that fresh start. So today I'm taking the word start and I'm just doing an acrostic with it. Why? Because it's a thing preachers do. Kind of like Michael last week used the same letter in all of his points, you know. Uh, and so with the acrostic, I just want to take the word start. Because every journey that you're on, you have to start. There's a lot of people that make a lot of big plans and they never start. They never move forward. They just kind of stay where they're at. But God wants you to start today. And he wants you to get that fresh start in your life. So we'll go right to the beginning because the S stands for stop making excuses for my failures. Stop making excuses for my failures. When I blow it, it's me that blows it. When I sin, it's me that sinned. And I can make all the excuses in the world for why I did it, but God just wants to say, hear me say, Lord, I'm sorry that I sinned. Not that they made me sin, but that I did it. Don't make excuses for what you did. I heard a guy talk about getting stopped by the police, and, and when he got stopped by the police, and thank God for our police people, men and women, but he got stopped for speeding. And uh, his complaint was, he kept saying, I don't know why they gave me a ticket. Well, were you speeding? Yes, I was speeding. So then they gave you a ticket because you were breaking the law. But everybody else was doing it. So it's okay to break the law as long as other people are breaking the law with you. Well, everybody else was speeding. Okay. So if I go into a store and I see three people shoplifting, it's okay for me to shoplift too. No. <laughs> then why is it okay to break the law just because everybody else is? What that person really was saying was that I didn't, it's not my fault. They made me do it because they were speeding. Pastor, do you never get speeding tickets? Yes, I do. I have. I think in 2001, I got a speeding ticket. Have you sped? Yes. <laughs> 
since then. I thank God. Matter of fact, when the policeman gave me my last speeding ticket, when after he wrote it out and gave it to him, he said, well, do you have anything to say? I said, yes, thank you very much for pulling me over. And he said, what? I said, I was speeding. I said, I might have hit somebody. Something could have gone wrong. You're doing your job. Thank you so much for giving me the ticket. <laughs> you know, no, and it was after the ticket. So listen, stop making excuses for your failure. You know, I've got to stop seeing myself as a victim of my circumstances. So many people, they take the bad things that have happened to them and they say, well, that's why it happened because of the circumstances around me. You know, I could, take, I could make excuses for my life and say, well, you know, we weren't really wealthy when I was growing up. We didn't have a lot of money. My, my, I, I come from a divorced family. I remember my mom raising three kids on her own for a while. And I remember my stepfather, when, when she got remarried, would go out and glean the field so that we could take that crop and we could feed some of the farm animals with that. I remember all of that. We never knew we didn't have much because they never let us know that. We had a happy family. But I could use that and say, well, any problems I've got in my marriage is because I come from a divorced family, or any problems I've got in this area is because of the money. You know what? I just need to move forward and quit making excuses for when I do something wrong. Amen? If I treat my wife bad, it's not my dad's fault, okay? It's my fault for treating her bad. Woo, women, you should have said Amen. Listen, nobody can ruin your life without your permission. And if you keep blaming everybody else, you're allowing them to ruin your life. Some of you need to put down your martyr's complex. You think you're suffering for Christ because you had to stand in line at the grocery store. Oh, this is a rough life. I'm suffering for Jesus. No, once you've been locked up or whipped or something like that, then maybe you can complain about that. Put down your martyr's complex. Pastor, you're preaching hard today. You're usually funny. Mm. I got my preach on today just a little bit. Whew. Let's look at scripture. Bring me back, Lord. Proverbs 28, 13. A man who refuses, and women too, woo, woo man. Oh, that gets you in trouble. Uh, a man, some of you will get that later. A man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. Hmm. I remember I was working in a, in a factory, and I just, I'd got the job as the leader, you know, the, which meant more pay, more responsibility, and I was over this group, and, and one day I pulled the wrong order, and I filled the wrong order that went out the door, and the one that needed to go was just sitting there. And I saw my mistake, so I got guys on it. I sped things up. I was like, you know, running around. And I went to my boss, and I said, boss, here's this situation. This is going to get out about two hours late. I'm sorry. Whose fault is it? I said, it's mine. I pulled the wrong. No, no. Who did it? I said, it's my fault. And like the third time, he said, no, name a name. You don't have to cover for anybody. It was me. <laughs> and he said, huh, I've never had one of my leaders say it was their fault before. <laughs> you know? I said, but I've already solved the problem, sir. You know, We are so busy wanting to blame somebody else. A man who refuses to admit his mistakes will never be successful. Confess and forsake. Most of the problems that I have in my life, most of the failures in my life are, are my fault, okay? They're my fault. 
The word says, again, in Proverbs, I like Proverbs because it's filled with wisdom. A sensible man watches for problems and prepares to meet them. But the fool never looks ahead and he suffers the consequences. I mean, you got to prepare, okay? You get a big bonus if you heat your house with oil and you get a big bonus in August. Guess what? Go fill up your oil tank. Because it's going to get cold, okay? Don't wait till December and say, I don't have any money. I can't fill my tank up. You got to prepare for things ahead of time. And in getting a fresh start, you got to know this. There's going to be some difficulty in 2021. We've only been in in a week and it's a mess. (laughs) Some of you thought just as soon as you said, Happy New Year! That everything was going to be roses, you know, along the way. Be prepared for whatever is going. I mean, (laughs) Moses prepared the people to exit Israel. Noah started building an ark before he ever even knew what rain was. For 120 years he prepared for this thing God said was coming. Do you know the Bible says in last days there would be perilous times. That means it's going to be messed up. Prepare for it. Doesn't mean I have to be messed up. So look, here in your notes there, there's three great causes. There's more than three, but there's three great causes for failure. One is we fail to prepare. We fail to prepare. I used the illustration in the first service. When I was a a senior in high school, we had a -a walk-a-thon every year at our church. And I don't know if it was my ego or whether it was I just wanted to do something different. It was always a 10-mile walk-a-thon. We raised money for an orphanage in a third-world country. My senior year... I was pretty athletic back then. My senior year, I decided I was going to not do the 10-mile with the rest of the church, but I was going to do a 50-miler. 50 miles is a long ways to walk, okay? And so I got some guys together that were as dumb as I was. And one guy lived really near me, and uh, him and I just started running in the evenings. I'd get off school, weekends, we would run. Because I was raised down near the beach, we would go out in the sand and we would run and run and run and run and run and run some more. Now, back then, I was about 135 pounds, you know, so uh, I could do it. I ran and ran. And then the other three guys lived in another town, and they were all track team guys, and they were, oh, we're all right, we're in shape, we're in shape. Well, we took off above Dover Air Base and walked all the way to the bottom of the state, and we would jog a little bit, and then we would walk. We would jog a little bit. We'd go about 10 miles, and one of them pulls up lane. Okay, let's find a phone booth. You don't know what those are. Uh, we find a phone booth. Call your mommy. Tell her to come get you. You know, we go a little further. Another guy pulls up lame. The last guy made it 35 miles. And then he pulled up lame. You know, and the two of us finished. The two that prepared and ran and got ready for it. Listen, you need to be ready for whatever the enemy wants to throw in your, in your way. So prepare. The second thing is we fail to listen. 
We fail to listen. We have that song in our head, you know, my way. I want to do it my way. And I'm sure Pastor Michael could reflect the same thing I'm saying. I've had people come to me with their problems. I counsel with them, talk with them, and I think sometimes give good advice. Sometimes not, you know, but sometimes, sometimes I hit it pretty good. And then three months later, they come back and they're talking to me. And I'll say, well, did you do what I said? No, nah, that, kind of, that sounded kind of, I'm not that way. <laughs> Obviously you're not. You still got the same mistake because you don't listen. And not just to other people, but listen to God. And we listen to him through his word. So one of the problems we have is not listen. And this one here is we give up too soon. I can't tell you how many people are so close to victory. They're right there. Right there. And then they quit. It would be like playing football and pulling your quarterback with just a little bit of time left to play. No Eagle fans here. Mm. At all. Giving up too early. Just quitting. You know, I love to watch these things of athletes, especially like, even though I'm not track and field, you ever see these guys like, you know, they're coming into the end of the race and their legs are wobbly and they're trying. I don't care if they're first place, last place. And, and you know, they're, they're just like wobbling to get across that last few steps. Their muscles are cramping and they don't give up. They just keep pushing through. Well, there's so many people, listen, your marriage could be successful if you didn't give up, okay? Your life could be, your walk with Christ can be successful if you don't give up. We give up way too easy. Proverbs says it this way, if you give up when trouble comes, it just shows that you're weak. That's all, that's pretty straightforward. Listen, failure is the path of least resistance. You know, the old saying, if at first you don't succeed, welcome to the human race, okay? You're going, to, you're going to fall short. You're going to fail sometimes. But if you quit, that's when it becomes a failure. You're never a real failure until you give up. Keep trying. Keep pushing. You know, read your Bible when you don't feel like reading it. Pray when you feel like the heavens are made of brass. We're very good at making excuses. And I found that people who are good at making excuses are usually not very good at anything else except making excuses. So S stands for start. T, take an inventory of my life. I need to evaluate my experiences. I need, I need to look at what I have after I failed. I need to take a look at my life's experiences and take an inventory. Okay, I failed. Why? How did that happen? What could I have done differently? And what do I have left over? Again, I'm, I was raised on a farm and around the farm. And I can remember 
At times we had successful crops, at times we didn't. And if a farmer doesn't have a successful crop, maybe because of drought, or maybe like this year because of monsoon rains every other week that would come in. And when you see stuff like that, the farmer, you say, well, man, that poor farmer. But the farmer is out there looking and saying, okay, what do I need to do? What do I have left? How much seed do I have? Do I have time to replant this year? Can I try something different? Maybe I can throw some winter wheat in to get a few bucks in and make a little extra money. You need to take inventory, even in the middle of a failure. Look at your failure. I know even here at the church when we do something with the freedom groups, which I'm, uh, my wife and I lead up in the freedom groups, we'll have a retreat, we'll have our sessions, and then we'll talk about, okay, what really worked? But we'll also look at what didn't work. What do we need to do different the next time? How can we make it better? What are the areas that we failed in this time? So with that, let me... Uh, go to another scripture here. I like the Galatian Message Bible. I like this in the Message Bible. I looked at several versions. Do you go through this whole painful learning process for nothing? Did you? It is not yet a total loss, but it certainly will be if you keep this up. <laughs> for some reason, that sounds like my mama, you know? <laughs> You know, it's going to be a total loss if you keep doing it. Buster, if you keep doing it this way, you know, you keep, keep trying. The Living Bible says you suffered so much for the gospel, now you're going to throw it all overboard. I can hardly believe it. You know, I, I see people sometimes that turn away from the faith, and I'm going, what's wrong with you? Why? You've made it this, and you're going to throw it all away? I don't understand. Listen, when we do fail, it can be our foe or it can be our friend. If you learn from it, it becomes your friend. However, if you don't, it becomes your enemy. Okay, I messed up. What, what can I learn from this? How can I be better? So, real quickly, I want to go through four types of experiences that God can use to shape your life. First of all, he uses our personal experience. It shapes your life. It, it can shape your life. When you experience something personally, I mentioned, you know, I come from a family of divorce. Actually, I have a compassion for people who have been through that. I have a compassion for kids of divorce. I just do. I, I just, you know, I, I just feel love and compassion towards anyone who, who has been through that and knows what the emotions are and knows what the feelings are with that. It, it's a tough thing. Uh, and on a personal thing, the, the failures, the hard times, the difficulties, uh, uh, with that. I, I remember as a young minister, uh, I went to Bible school, I, I went to a Christian university, got a degree, and um, I can remember going through ministerial classes, and you know, I knew how to prepare a sermon, I knew how to preach a funeral, I knew how to do a wedding, but it wasn't until my Uncle Bobby was killed tragically when I was a young minister, and he was in a car accident, and he was only in his early 30s, and I remember when Uncle Bobby died, I flew home for the funeral, and I conducted the funeral. And this one was different. This one was different. My heart was broken, and, and, and I was a mess. But I had to stand up, and I had to preach his funeral and comfort my family, not people that I didn't know. And I never preached another funeral the same way in my life. That was a tragic time. That was a hard time. But God took that hard time, and he shaped my heart into something compassionate. 
And, 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 you know, goodness knows I've done funerals of people that I barely knew and, and had to hold back the tears because compassion just fills my heart with that. It's one of the areas that God will, will use me in. He's used me too much in it this year. I got to say, I've done more funerals in 2020 than I have any time in my life in a given year. It's just been tragic this year. And, but God continues to use and continue. So personal experiences, the next one, he uses vocational and educational experiences to shape you. Do you know that you're being shaped on your job, the people you work with and work around? That's why it's important to try to find good influences in your life. The same thing with education. You know, if you've got kids and they're going to school, you watch what they're learning, okay? Be really, parents, you pay attention to what they're being taught in school, whether it's public school, private school, you know, if you're homeschooling them, I guess watch yourself. I don't know. Uh, that's what we did that. So I watched Penny really carefully as she raised my kids. <laughs> but what I'm saying is your kids are being shaped by their education that they're getting. Make sure you know what they're getting with that. That'll shape you. Here's another one. He uses spiritual experiences to shape you. Thank God that I had some really great mentors in my life coming up. I had some people who poured into my life, and uh, I need to learn from that. So I ask myself, uh, you know, what spiritual influences do I have in my life now? And the last one here, he uses painful experiences to shape your life. The story I told with Uncle Bobby, there's been other painful experiences that God has shaped my life with because I didn't give up. I pressed on. I went through. Some of the most painful things you can, that you've been through, God can use that to help shape you. Not that God did that to you. Understand, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Remember that scripture in the beginning? But God also says, what the enemy meant for evil, I'll turn for good. Okay? So he can do that. You need to ask yourself some questions when you go through a hard time. What have I learned? Some people never learn anything. They keep making the same dumb mistakes over and over and over again. They go from one bad relationship to another bad relationship. You know? I knew one fellow I counseled with. He fell in love every other week. And the gals he was falling in love with, he shouldn't have been falling in like with. But he would be like, this is the one. And I'm like, no, 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 uh-uh. <laughs> I, when I... <laughs> A young girl came to me in the church one time and I was pastoring and, she, and, and I knew God had big plans for this girl. And she said, Pastor, I met a boy. I said, huh? why? <laughs> She's a young teenager, you know, and she says, I just think he's dreamy. And so I said, does he love Jesus? Well, I don't know. <laughs> you don't know. So he's not serving Jesus, he's serving who? Well, I don't, uh, you're serving one or the other. He's serving the devil. And so I looked at her and I said, did you kiss him? <laughs> you said that as a pastor? Oh, yeah. Some of you know me. <laughs> and I said, so if you're a child of God, he's the child of the devil, and your lips went on the child of the devil. <laughs> pastor, you were cruel. I said, well, you need to find out if he's a Christian. Oh, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know. That's kind of personal. I said, well, give me his phone number. I'll ask him. You won't. I said, bet me. He ended up, you know, serving Christ and was on our worship team. And I had dinner with him this week and he's still serving Christ years and years later. 
Amen. What are your assets? Not what have I learned? What are my assets? What do I have going for me? I have my health. I have my freedom. I have the church. I have my church family. Listen to me. Uh, Those watching online, I'm going to say this here. I said it in the first service. Uh, You know, I'm glad that you've tuned in. I really have. We have people all over the place watching online. But one of the things that's a benefit about church is being in fellowship one with another. You just need it. And even though we're in pandemic and we're fist bumping and elbow bumping and head nodding and all of that, and we've got these masks on and all of that, it's still something about coming together. And if you're home because, you know, you've got health reasons, you've got, you know, pandemic worried about that. But if you, if you, you know, watch this online in your footy pajamas eating your cocoa puffs, and then you're going to leave this, and this afternoon you're going to go with 50 other people to watch a football game, and half of them you don't know, and you're going to be high-fiving them, and you're not going to be wearing a mask. You need to get your backside into church, okay? Now, this is not a condemnation to those who physically uh, feel like they can't be here because of the pandemic. This is not condemnation. But this pandemic has also caused us to get a little lazy. Any amens here? And I just heard some online there. Thank you. I love you, but I miss you, okay? Again, please, we have this venue for those we want to keep you safe. We really do. That's why we take all these extra measures. The last thing, can somebody help me? Can somebody help me? You need to find that in church. I knew a farmer one year, he got sick right at harvest time. And uh, this farmer, he was a great, nice guy, decent guy. Uh, But he got sick one year, right at harvest, and he needed to get the soybeans in. And he was put in the hospital, and he was fretting and worrying. I remember going to the hospital and praying for him. And and he was just really like, I got to get the crops in. What he didn't know is when the surrounding farmers around him, who they all know each other, when they found out that he was in the hospital and the rains were coming and once the rains hit those soybeans, the price goes way down. And those farmers got their combines out there and their trucks out there and they went out in the hundreds of acres and they harvested those beans and they got them into market and they got his money for him and you know what? They didn't even charge him for the fuel in their combines. Why? Because there was somebody there to help. Don't try to do this life alone. Fresh start. Get around some people here. So let's move along. I got the A is act in faith. If you want to launch out and have this fresh start, it's going to take faith. Because some of you are already saying, well, this year's going to be as bad as last year. Well, it might be, but that doesn't mean you have to be as bad as last year. The Bible says the key to changing anything is faith. You want to change your circumstances? It's going to take faith. It's going to be believing God. You want to change your personality? It's going to take faith. What do you mean change my personality? Some of you need to change your personality. You're angry. You're miserable. You're whiny. You're complaining. You need to ask God to heal you. You really do. Well, my whole family's angry. Well, then God needs to heal your whole family. You need to get into freedom groups, which you need to get into. I'm serious. You know, there's people going through freedom group, then they, God changed their personality. They have. Jesus said this when he was healing people, according to your faith, let it be done unto you. 
Some of us need to work on our faith. What are you expecting in life? Start acting in faith and quit having a pity party. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. Life is unfair, you say. Duh, yeah. It's not fair. It's not fair that somebody who can't hardly put a sentence together can make $100 million because they can catch a ball. <laughs> it's not fair. And somebody defending our country makes above, a little above minimum wage. It's not always fair. Get over it. So what are you expecting in life? Listen, the more time we regret our past and our failures, it's the more of our future that's wasted. Real success sometimes is built on failure. I think it was like the 200th time that Thomas Edison was trying to, to, uh, uh, to, to get the filament in the light bulb to stay uh, longer. And with the help of his assistants, on the, I think it was the 200th time, he got it to work. You know what he discovered? 199 ways not to do it. Amen. 190. So sometimes your failure can be your education. Quit calling it a failure. Listen, this sentence, this, this sentence here. Faith is not so much the absence of fear. It's moving ahead in spite of your fear. Some of you are afraid to venture out and get a fresh start. Oh, you know, I really feel like I'd like to start a small group this coming semester, but I am just so afraid. I can't do it. I just can't do it. Faith is not, not being afraid. Every time I get in this pulpit, somebody will ask me, hey, how you feeling today? And I always say the same thing, a little nervous. I, am, I will soon be 62 years old. I preached my first sermon when I was 15 been saved about six months when I preached my first sermon. I've been preaching a long time. You get nervous? Yep. Matter of fact, I told somebody today, the first time I'm not nervous, I'm not going to preach anymore, okay? Because what I'm going to say to you, I hopefully it will help change your life. It's that important, you know? And so I'm afraid to do a small group. I'm afraid to get involved. I'm afraid to join the dream team. I'm afraid to do this. Just do it. Ralph Waldo Emerson, I like this quote so much when I was in graduating high school, I put it in my senior statement there. Do the thing that you fear and the death of fear is certain. The scripture on this, fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. The next one here, R stands for refocus. Refocus. I need to refocus my thoughts if I want to change my life. I need to rethink the way I think. Some of you need to rethink the way you think because your thinking is stinking thinking. Okay? Change it. Refocus. Proverbs 4.23. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What do you think of it? Do you always think about how miserable you are, how much of a failure you are, how terrible things are. The way you think determines the way you feel. The way you feel will determine the way you act. If you, act, if you feel depressed, discouraged, distressed, and I'm not saying those things aren't real. I have been in every one of those at the same time. But if I just continually think about those things, then it's going to continue in that cycle. If you're acting fearful and worried, 
you're always going to be that way. Romans 12, 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. I have to refocus my thoughts. When you start getting depressed and you start getting down, start thinking about the good things that God has done. Start thinking about the wonderful things God has done in your life. Start thinking about the time he healed your body, the time he touched you, the time he raised you up, about the friends you've got. Think about the wonderful things. Refocus your thoughts. Which memories are you still rehearsing? Let them go. The more you hold on to a bad memory, the more it continues to hurt you. And it's only because you're giving it permission to continue to hurt you. How do I do that? Confess. How to get rid of a painful memory? Something that I did that was a failure. Confess it. God, I screwed up. I'm sorry. I'm wrong. And then focus on what God's been doing for you. Michael said last week, it's not just about getting the old dead grass out. It's about putting something good in its, replace, in its place. And a good thing to put in its place, the Word of God. Amen. The Word of God. Psalms 1 is not up here, but Psalms 1, happy are those who are always meditating in God's Word. They're like trees along the river. They do not dry up. And then the last one. T is for trust. God, trust me. I just feel some, right now, I'm just telling you, I feel like there's some that you forgot that there's a God you can trust in. There is a God you can be confident in. There's a God that always has your back. There may not be a lot of people that you can trust in. You know, I know my wife always has my back. I do. Two of the greatest decisions I ever made. One, accepting Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Two, marrying that woman. Two of the best choices. I don't know if they're her top two or not, but they're my top two. <laughs> I depend on God. I can remember a couple of times when I was, when I was really sick. I mean, like, not knowing if I was going to check out sick. And my wife, she was such, I just could depend on her. I mean, even before I would ask for something, she would have it. I can depend on God a thousand times that. Okay? Learn to trust Him. Trust God. He'll help you succeed. We've already proven we can't do it on our own. I don't know if you know this or not. I'm a screw up. I mess up. I fall short. I fall short as a pastor, as a husband, as a father, as a friend. I can't count the times I've messed up. And God is always saying, come here, son. <laughs> Let me give you a fresh start. I'm not going to give you a do-over. We're going to give you a brand new slate. A fresh start. But we need to work on you not messing up so much. We need to work on this. So many of us fail. and We keep doing it the same way. It's like banging our head against the wall. And the wall doesn't fall down. So we bang harder. And the only one we're injuring is ourselves. And that's the definition I mean, it, it's the definition of insanity. 
to do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. Zechariah 4, 6. You will not succeed by your own strength or by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. When you become a Christian, you're a brand new person. It's a new life. But did you know that God has other new beginnings for you? He has fresh starts for you. Don't let the enemy lie to you that because you blew it, there's no hope for you. There's no future for you. Because I'm telling you, God has a fresh start. I'm speaking to somebody. I didn't say this in the first service. You, you just, you're on your last leg. You feel like you're ready to give up. It's too overwhelming. It's, you've messed up too many times. I am speaking whether it's here or it's on the online. I'm telling you, do not give up. God has a fresh start for you today, right now. Would you bow your heads, please? I don't want you to turn over a new leaf because it's the same leaf. I want you to have a whole new, fresh start. Stop making excuses. Take an inventory of your life. Act in faith. Refocus your thoughts. Trust God. If you're here this morning, either in person or online, and again, those online, I love you. I am glad you're online. And, and if, stay online. Don't give up that. Get back in church when you feel safe and you feel like you can. But if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I've regretted a lot of things in my life. I have never once regretted giving my heart to Jesus. I'm never alone. Just pray this prayer with me if you want to receive Christ. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sin. I make you the Lord of my life. I receive you now. Amen. And if you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Perry, I need you to pray over me. I need that fresh start today. You were talking to me today. And I need that. Would you just quickly lift your hand and take it back down? Anybody here, you can hit the button on your own screen. Amen. 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 Let me just pray over you. Then Pastor Michael is going to come back. Father God, I just thank you and praise you for those who lifted their hands. Lord, I thank you for the fresh start that you've given me in my life. I thank you, God, that you've never given up on me. And these out here that lifted their hands, you've never given up on them. And Lord, I just speak fresh life, a fresh touch from your Holy Spirit, a fresh perspective and outlook on their future. Lord, I speak blessings over them in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much, Pastor Michael.